Three of our Gospels start off with rather bold introductions. Perhaps the most famous is John's epic and poetic opening, How in the Beginning Was the Word. Matthew starts off immediately by dropping some pretty big names to get everyone's attention. The genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Mark, the man of few words, a man after my own heart, foregoes any sort of introduction whatsoever and jumps right in, kicking us off with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And then, well, then there's Luke's completely lackluster opening. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative about these events, I too decided to write a well-ordered account for you, most excellent Theophilus. <laughs> Far from being an exciting announcement about a God who came down from heaven to dwell among us, to heal us and love us, and to bind our lives with his to give us everlasting life, Luke kind of makes this good news sound more like a homework assignment from Professor Theophilus. But nevertheless, Luke does what he promised, taking us from that tender nativity scene with the shepherds and the angels, remembering those powerful moments of miraculous healings and challenging teachings, recalling the pain of the cross, the mystery of the empty tomb, and ending with Christ's glorious ascension into heaven, all as he gave his disciples one last blessing. A well-ordered account indeed. So imagine Theophilus's surprise when he got another package in the mail. Luke writes, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote all that Jesus did to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. Or in infomercial parlance, but wait, there's more. We call this second book of his the Acts of the Apostles. And after quickly telling the story of Matthias's election to take over Judas's empty seat as an apostle, Luke gives us some of the most vivacious imagery we find in the New Testament as he tells us about the day of Pentecost. That day in the upper room as rushing winds and tongues of fire descended upon the disciples, all to announce that another advocate had just arrived, the Spirit of God. A familiar friend to Mary who had already been overshadowed by the Holy Spirit so that she might be the bearer of Christ to our world, what we see once again is the Spirit's desire to unite earth and heaven. And what the Spirit gives life to this time is this messy, imperfect, and on our best of days, well-intentioned institution that you and I call the church, a divine institution which strives to impart in our hearts through word and sacrament a vision of what our world could look like, namely heaven, 
and kindles within our hearts a burning desire to actually make it look that way. Our Eastern Orthodox siblings call this process theosis, this process of little by little, day by day, walking together as community, as church, so that we might become more and more Christ-like, little Christs, as they call it, who give witness to the spirit of peace, the spirit of love, the spirit of healing, minute by minute, nanometer by nanometer, closing that gap between earth and heaven. So now, with the Holy Spirit descended and the church officially born, Luke continues his story of this new gift called the church. He'll tell Theophilus all about the joys of baptism and the excitement of communities actually signing up for this impossible task to once again unite earth and heaven, each with the gifts we've been given, even if only for one fleeting moment at a time. Luke also tells Theophilus how messy this work can be, going on to tell him about people in the church who didn't always see eye to eye on issues, how some people will go on to pay the ultimate price for walking down this path, and he'll even share with them perhaps the most painful part of being church. Listening to those long-winded preachers just go on and on. <laughs> Luke shares this, this all as part two of his gospel because that's exactly what it is. Good news. It's amazing that this record of how against all odds the Spirit of God went out of this upper room and into the hearts of those who heard God's deeds, God's deeds of power proclaimed, into the hearts of those who saw signs and wonders performed by this new generation of disciples imbued with the Holy Spirit, and into the hearts of those who simply watched as we loved one another as Christ loves us. The sequel is a record of how the Spirit leapt through us and sometimes in spite of us from town to town, from race to race, from tribe to tribe, and from generation to generation. All so that together as community, together as church, that love of Christ might make us little Christs little communities that come together to perform signs and wonders so that anyone who works into our little corner of the world entrusted to us can experience and feel God's love. That's the sacred fire that started 2,000 years ago. That sacred fire that by God's grace we carry in our own hearts so that we might share that with others. This joy-filled and sometimes messy work 
this celestial stroll we get to take together right here where heaven meets earth and earth meets heaven. This is what we come together today to celebrate this Pentecost, this gift of church, this gift that together we are able to write the next volume recording all of God's glorious works for our dear friend, most excellent Theophilus. <laughs>